Welcome, friends! I'm your host, Adrian, and yes, you found us, Tea with Puppets, a podcast about Canadian stamp collecting. Yeah! This is episode number 12, and today we'll be talking about a lady soon to grace our $10 bill. Get yourself cozy, and we'll jump right into it in just a moment. Hello friends, thanks for joining us. Today we'll be talking about Viola Desmond, the iconic Canadian civil rights activist and successful Nova Scotia businesswoman. Late last year, it was announced that Viola will appear on the Canadian $10 bill starting in 2018, an honor that is well-deserved for a woman who'd helped drive our society forward. In today's episode, we'll learn more about Viola and the stamp created in 2012 to honor her. So who is Viola Desmond? Viola Irene Desmond, née Davis, was born on July 6, 1914, one of ten children of James Albert and Gwendolyn Irene, née Johnson, Davis. Viola's parents were active in the black community in Halifax, despite the fact that her mother was white and her father was black, which was quite unusual for the time. As Viola grew up, she noticed the absence of professional hair and skin products for black women, and set her sights on addressing this need. The first hurdle was training. Beauty schools in Halifax restricted black women from admission, so she traveled to Montreal, New York, and New Jersey to pursue various courses. She also attended the New York City's Layla College for Beauticians, which was developed out of the legendary Madame C.J. Walker's beauty culture business. Madame Walker actually was the first black woman millionaire in the United States and had a very clear philosophy. Don't just build a business, build an industry. Viola Desmond embodied this motto. In 1937, Desmond set up V's Studio of Beauty Culture in Halifax, and within a few years, she had established the Desmond School of Beauty Culture. This drew students from across Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Quebec. She also started another venture, manufacturing and marketing V's beauty products. As Viola's students graduated and began their own careers, they created an even larger distribution network for Viola's brand of beauty products. Viola was making positive inroads as both an entrepreneur and a role model in her community. She was an inspiration to her clients and students alike, especially at a time when few women owned and operated their own independent businesses. And then Viola's life changed. On November 8, 1946, Viola Desmond was driving to deliver her beauty products to other beauty studios when car trouble forced her to spend extra time in the town of New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. As she waited for her car to be repaired, she made the best of the situation and decided to go see a movie at the Roseland Theatre. Unaware of the theatre's policy on restricting black people to the upper balcony, Desmond bought a ticket for a movie. When she entered the theatre, the usher told her that the ticket was for the balcony and she would need to go upstairs. Thinking there had been a mistake, Desmond returned to the cashier and asked to exchange her ticket for one downstairs as she was nearsighted which required her to be closer to the movie screen. The cashier refused, stating, I'm not permitted to sell downstairs tickets to you people. And realizing that she was being denied seating on the basis of her race, she courageously walked back inside and took a seat downstairs. An usher and theater manager confronted her. When she refused to move, the police were called. Viola was forcibly ejected and arrested. She was jailed overnight. At court the next day, she was found guilty of defrauding the government of the one-cent difference between the three-cent sales tax levied on the downstairs ticket and the two-cent tax on the balcony ticket. 
After paying the $20 fine plus costs, which is the equivalent of about $270 Canadian in 2017 dollars, she returned to Halifax. When Viola told her husband about her treatment at the Roseland Theatre in New Glasgow, he was not surprised. He had grown up there, and like many black Nova Scotians who had grown accustomed to the racist attitudes that prevailed in the province at the time, he was inclined to let the issue rest. Take it to the Lord with a prayer, was his suggestion. As the story spread in the community, she was encouraged to appeal her unjust case. The Nova Scotia Association for the Advancement of Colored People raised money to fight her convention, and Carrie Best, the founder of the Clarion, the province's second black-owned and operated newspaper, took a special interest in the case. With her lawyer, Frederick William Bissett, Viola tried to appeal her conviction. During the subsequent trial, the case was presented as one of tax evasion, a provincial act regulating cinemas and movie theaters required the payment of an amusement tax based on the price of the theater ticket. Therefore, the real issue of racism was shrouded by the procedural technicalities. Since Viola had bought a cheaper balcony ticket, but had insisted upon sitting in the more expensive main floor, she was one cent short on the tax. Viola's lawyer, Bissett, later applied to the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia. The case went before Justice Maynard Brown Archibald of the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia on January 20, 1947. He ruled against Desmond on the grounds that the decision of the original magistrate should have been appealed to the county court. As a 10-day deadline for filing an appeal to the original conviction had passed, the conviction stood. Now, subsequent to the Supreme Court decision, legal action on the matter ceased. Bissett did not bill his client, which allowed the Nova Scotia Association of the Advancement of Colored People to use the funds raised for legal fees to continue their fight against segregation in Nova Scotia. So although unsuccessful in her efforts to quash her criminal conviction, her case was part of a wider effort to get racial equality across the country. In 1954, the laws that allowed the segregation were repealed by the Nova Scotian government. As for Viola Desmond, the incident and subsequent legal challenges had taken a toll on her. After the trial, she divorced her husband, closed her business, and moved to Montreal, and eventually settled in New York City. Viola would pass away from a gastrointestinal hemorrhage on February 7, 1965, at the age of 50. It wasn't until 45 years later, until 2010, that Viola's story got to be known by a wider audience. We'll let Viola's sister, Wanda Robson, and Dr. Graham Reynolds, a professor at Cape Breton University, tell you what happened, as heard in the documentary, Long Road to Justice, The Viola Desmond Story. piece in the paper saying that Dr. Graham Reynolds at, uh, it was a university, uh, college of university, University College of Cape Breton at that time. Now it's Cape Breton University. It was given this course on culture and diversity and Jim Crowism and and, uh, and he mentioned several cases that he would like. This was one of his courses. I thought, gee, I'd like to sit in on that. I was teaching uh, the history of race relations in, in Nova Scotia, and um, I don't remember the details about the actual moment, but I, 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 I think I raised the question of uh, Viola Desmond in my class, and Wanda um, instantly recognized, of course, this is her sister. The DVD was on the screen in the classroom, and there's my sister Viola, the picture. And I said to him, that's my sister. Well, the rest is history, because he realized that I had perhaps something that unique, perhaps I could tell his students that came in. And doing this 
brought everything back. All those years that happened, happened to Violet, it brought everything back to me. And I thought, you know, this, this, this is not right. So I wrote to Mayor, I wrote to him that I was Violet's sister, and I thought perhaps something should be done, a commemorative plaque, or some sort of a memorial, or an apology. I did not realize the steps that were going up toward this, this major event. They were going to have this apology. They were going to make it a big event. They would make it the way they felt it should be presented, not just from New Glasgow, it would be from the province. And I said, well, that's nice. So in 2010, the government of Nova Scotia formally apologized to Viola Desmond's remaining family by a royal prerogative of mercy or free pardon. It was issued by the then Lieutenant Governor of Nova Scotia, the Honorable Mayan E. Francis, the first black Nova Scotian to hold this office. The pardon acknowledged that Desmond was innocent and that her conviction was wrong. Now Dr. Graham Reynolds will explain why this type of pardon was so important. Um, a pardon essentially is to remove guilt and uh, it's, uh, it's part of our legal system and we do it all the time. But this is a, a, a free pardon, actually a mercy free pardon, which really says that it's not offering mercy. It's not recognizing that there was something that was done against the law. Um, it really does simply recognize that the, that the law was wrong in this case. And there's no mercy being, being afforded. It is simply a recognition that this was wrong at the time and shouldn't have happened. We know now that there was no, there, there should never have been charges brought against uh, Viola Desmond. Here's the announcement from the Honorable Percy Paris, Minister of African Nova Scotian Affairs, and then we'll listen to the Premier of Nova Scotia, the Honorable Daryl Dexter. With this pardoning, we are acknowledging the wrongdoings of the past. We are also assuring Nova Scotians that all persons, regardless of race, skin color, or creed, are equal under the law. We are reinforcing our stance that discrimination and hate will not be tolerated. And today, we are continuing to make, to make life in this province better by righting a wrong, by free pardoning Mrs. Desmond, and by making sure that all Nova Scotians know her brave story. On behalf of the Nova Scotia government, I sincerely apologize to Mrs. Viola Desmond's family and to all African Nova Scotians for the racial discrimination she was subjected to by the justice system in November of 1946. The arrest, detainment, and conviction of Iola Desmond is an example in our history where the law was used to perpetrate racism and racial segregation. This is contrary to the values of Canadian society. We recognize today that the act for which Viola Desmond was arrested was an act of courage, not an offense. The government of, the, of Nova Scotia recognizes that the treatment of Viola Desmond was an injustice. This injustice has impacted not just Mrs. Desmond during her life and her family, but other African Nova Scotians, 
and all Nova Scotians who found and continue to find this event in Nova Scotia's history offensive and intolerable. On behalf of the province of Nova Scotia, I am sorry. By these actions of a free pardon, it became the first of its kind in Canadian history. Two years later, during Black History Month in February 2012, Canada Post issued a commemorative Black Heritage postage stamp recognizing Viola Desmond's stand for justice. It was unveiled in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, the scene of the original incident all those years ago. Lara Minya of Vancouver's Lime Design, who designed several issues in the Black History series, noted, I used a collage of elements in the stamps to give dimension to the story. Now, if we look at the stamp, it's a very nice portrait of Viola Desmond with an image of the Roseland Theatre in the background and a ticket to the theatre just below. I think it really hits Lara's objective of making a stamp have a historical look and feel while keeping a richness and human warmth to the subject and the story. While justice escaped her during her lifetime, I hope Viola Desmond will continue to get the attention she deserves. Hopefully, with her face on the new $10 bill next year, even more Canadians will learn the story of a true Canadian hero. So that's it for the 12th episode. Thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing the show with your friends. The time you take to do this really helps us get the word out, so we appreciate it immensely. If you're looking for more info about this show, make sure to check us out at teawithpuppets.com. To see the stamps we mentioned in this episode and more, click on the show notes image at the top right corner of our website or the link we've added to the description of this podcast episode. If you have any podcast feedback, ideas for guests, cool stories, or more, we'd love to hear it too. You can email us over at feedback at teawithpuppets.com. Finally, if you're on Facebook, make sure you like our page or follow us on Twitter at our handle, teawithpuppets. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon for our next episode. Have a super rest of the day, and happy collecting.